everybody, welcome to Pretty Scary. Pretty Scary, boo. I'm Adam Todd Brown. And I'm Cindy Aravina. Cindy's back. I'm back. Did you guys miss me? I sure missed talking about scary stuff. There was no scary stuff on the ocean. No, probably not. There's nothing nothing scary ever happens on the ocean. (laughs) That place is great. No, the scariest thing was that we did sail through these um, incredible glaciers in the Cape Horn, which sounds like gay porn over the speaker. And we could not (laughs) help but giggle every time the captain was like, we are sailing around the gay porn. (laughs) That is funny. It was great. But the captain said that years ago he drove by these same glaciers and he was really sad to see the state that they were in and how melted they were. And I was like, that's great. That's reassuring. that's, That's depressing. Yeah. That's so that was kind of scary. <laughs> well, welcome back. We're Thank glad you. to have you back. This is the first episode of the new year with either you or Carrie on it. Oh, there's been all of our schedules are in such flux. I've had to yes. record like a ton of guest episodes just to like clear the way for my face to be chopped into so they can remove this needle. And <laughs> Carrie just got a new job. She moved to Arizona. Oh, nice. Maybe we'll do a live pod in Arizona. Three That'd of us. That'd be cool. What part of Arizona? I don't know exactly. I think Phoenix, but I don't know. I'll go. I'll go to any part. I'll go hang out with Carrie. That sounds fun. Yeah. I mean, if we do a show there, we're going to do it somewhere in the cool part of Arizona. Not. Like, yeah. It's not going to be dependent on where Carrie lives. She can. We're traveling to Arizona. She can travel intra-Arizona to get to us. So true. I would think. So we're talking about some bullshit this week. Utter bullshit. (laughs) I don't know if I've ever brought a Darren Brown thing to pretty scary. We've talked about him on the conspiracy pod. I think we did none pops about a show of his called the push, but we're talking about Darren Brown apocalypse. This guy, he's a mentalist. I think is the word. He uses a hypnotist, I guess, a social he be, experimental. He'd call it a, a metalist. He's a metalist, he is. <laughs> I'm gonna play with your mind. He really does fuck with people's heads. That's for sure. That's if all of this isn't just completely faked. Which I don't know. <sighs> would a production company go for that? I mean, maybe. But yeah, they would. Oh, that's such a boring answer. That this is all just fake. I don't know. I don't get the sense that. The people he recruits for these things are like in on it. I don't know. Because I was wondering about that watching this. Like, what did this contract say in it that these people hoping to be on the show say? What kind of insurance can you like? I don't know how British insurance works, but what kind of insurance can you take out on people that don't know that they're being put under these fake circumstances? Right. I don't know. Are we being duped? Are we being duped? That's what I have to ask. Yeah, that is the question. And even if we're not being duped, Darren Brown, he's not that well-known here in the United States. I'd never heard of him. But where he's doing all this stuff in the UK, he's huge. Like not he like huge kind of implies he's like widely respected and regarded. He's just <laughs> got a big following and people watch his shit. So what I wonder with something like this, most of his experiments start with this casting call for a Darren Brown show. And inevitably, the person he picks, they usually sit that person down and they're like, sorry, you didn't get it. So just so you know, you're not the person 
we're going to be experimenting on. And then he starts experimenting on that person without <laughs> the knowledge. And I have to wonder if these people somewhere in the back of their mind are like, all right, I tried out for that Darren Brown thing and they said I didn't get it. But my life has gotten very weird since then. That's the thing, because I don't know how long he's been around, because the thing that we watched was from 2012. Yeah. Maybe he wasn't quite as well known as he is now. But you would think 10 years later, he's got all these like celebrity friends or acquaintances. He's fairly well known on this tiny island of Britain. Are people really still falling for this shit? You would have to think that they would be like, okay, well, I'm clearly I clearly could be on the show if crazy shit is happening now. But you never know, because that was always my question with intervention. Remember A&E's Intervention, which I think is still on? I don't think I watched much of it. I've seen clips, though. It's exactly what it sounds like. It's drug addicts having their family launch an intervention on them, but, you know, with cameras rolling for our entertainment. And my question was always, does word not get around in the drug addict community that, like, no one wants to film a documentary about your drug addiction? You are on an episode of Intervention right now because that was always the premise is these cameras would show up and they'd be like we told this fucking idiot that we're doing a documentary about them using drugs like everyone doesn't use drugs and the people never knew maybe they were so loaded they had they really had no idea they didn't notice maybe it's the same thing with darren brown it could be maybe this guy was just blitzed the whole time and we didn't know it just hammered who knows he was he may well have been he was pretty young Yeah. Some of the other experiments Darren Brown has done that we've covered. You watched one of them. You watched The Push, right? I just watched The Push and dear fucking Lord, I'm so mad. I'm just angry. (laughs) Yeah. The short version or explanation of what he does is he takes people and puts them in situations to try and manipulate their behavior. And in The Push, he takes people who think they've been hired to work a catering gig for the night and puts them in this series of situations that are just increasingly more and more intense to the point where at the end they are surrounded by a group of people who are like, go push that guy off the edge of this building. Like it's the only way we're going to survive this is if you literally murder that guy who is sitting on the edge of that building and something like four out of the five people do it. Yes. There's one fucking hero who was like, no, I got to murder a guy so we don't get in trouble over this catering gig. But everyone else fucking pushes the guy. Yeah, it's it's so sad. Like, not even that people were pushed to their limit and forced to do just something that they would have otherwise never done, but just the corroboration from everyone else, the corroboration from the celebrities that he hires to like promote this fake organization and just like the the also the bad acting he spends so much money on like special effects to get like this amazing basically unfuckable sex doll of the dead person <laughs> i don't know what else to call it yeah yeah it's weird yeah i remember when the push came out there were people calling for the people in it to be arrested and it's like darren brown should maybe be arrested yeah because even though no one was hurt spoiler for people listening at home They don't actually kill a person on the push. That'd be insane. The guy is like rigged up to cords and shit. But what if one of those failed? Oh, that would have been rich. But he's safe. He's fine. But what about those people who came away from that? Like, fuck, I 
for all intents and purposes, just committed a murder. Like I'm the kind of person that will murder to keep myself safe. And Darren Brown, I guarantee at some point during that was like, psychologists have made sure these people are not susceptible <laughs> to mental breakdowns. And it's like, how? Yeah. Did they how? have someone murder somebody and then see how it went? It's crazy. Yeah. Are these people from your team, Darren? Is that how you know? <laughs> and so in this show, Darren Brown, Apocalypse, that's uh, exactly what it sounds like. He convinces someone that the apocalypse has happened and puts them in that situation, which uh, I know I've seen it before. Okay. I remember seeing a lot of this, and I think I somehow saw it back when it happened. I don't know. What, but What were your thoughts back then? Uh, is this real? Like, <laughs> this has to be fake, right? It does remind me of a very good HBO Max show that I would love to recommend to everyone, which is called Two Weeks to Live. It's so good. It stars Maisie Williams from Game of Thrones. And the premise is basically these two guys trick her into thinking the apocalypse is about to happen. And what they don't realize is that she has an incredibly dark and complicated past. And hearing that the apocalypse is about to happen, sets her on a course where she just goes and starts murdering her enemies for like two weeks. Wow. And I feel like I'm the only person who watched it. It was so good, though. Oh, my God. I'm going to have to watch this because, okay, the other HBO show that this reminds me of, The Rehearsal. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Except in The Rehearsal, they let people know what was going on. <laughs> yeah. The Rehearsal seems a lot less exploitative than... yes this which it's like with this it's kind of preferable that it would be fake which makes me feel like it's not that's almost too easy everyone's just playing along i don't know i don't know it's so complicated and it was 2012 okay that was a hot button issue is that the world was gonna end in 2012 right so this was kind oh, of on sure theme was. for the time yes we're like my calendar's done december 21st we're out of here zombies were still huge yeah. Oh, yeah. That was zombie time. Huge zombie time. God, zombies got played out. They sure did. Oof. Zombies, vampires. All of that. Oh, I get so or mad when I'm watching a horror thing and I realize it's going down a vampire road. Ugh, it's the worst. I know. So let's talk about <laughs> Apocalypse. It starts the same way all this stuff does. He sends out a tweet, a fucking vintage 2012 tweet, asking people to show up for this audition. And... He says he's looking for someone living a, quote, self-centered existence who is also highly susceptible to hypnosis. What's your thoughts on hypnosis? I believe in it. I believe it works. But I do know that there are certain parameters that it works within. Like you can't just be hypnotized unknowingly. Like you have to be told that you are being hypnotized in order for it to work. So yeah. that's kind of where I start to question some of the stuff that happens in this show. Yeah, I'm also not completely off board with hypnosis, but the way it happens in this show is interesting mm -hmm. because when he's screening the applicants, he shows this scene where the guy he eventually picks, who's a guy named Steven, he's clearly sitting in a room with a bunch of other people who've been hypnotized and they all like have their heads down. And it seems like Darren Brown has been in front of them talking and making this happen. 
But the moment he gets hypnotized for this, Darren Brown just like walks up and fucking taps him on the shoulder and says something and he's out. So has he been hypnotized this whole time? Ooh, that's a great question. Because with the tweet and the people responding to the tweet, they already know that they could be hypnotized if they go to this audition. Right. Okay, so there is that expectation that, yes, they will be under hypnosis. So it could be. It could very well be. Yeah. But that's how long a long does it time. Last? It that, is. That is some MK Ultra shit. Being hypnotized for 14 weeks? Because we haven't even mentioned this interview process takes place like 14 weeks before the actual act that Darren Brown does to this guy. Yeah. So was he just like under hypnosis for 14 weeks? I mean, I'm, I'm going to look this up too. Darren Brown's got to be stopped if that's he has the to. case. Like, okay. Hypnosis. It says it depends. Okay. So, I mean, but the sessions they say take 50 to 60 minutes, but I don't know. It would make sense because there's like hypnosis for quitting smoking and things. And like, yeah, with that, it stands to reason. You're just like under hypnosis until someone snaps and you start fucking smoking again. Right. I would imagine so, <laughs> unless it's just a thing that that is meant to just rewire your brain until you just you don't need to be under the, the influence of the hypnosis. I don't know. It's a very interesting topic, I think. Yeah. So whatever the case, he decides on this guy named Stephen. Stephen is told he failed the audition. This guy lives at home with his family <laughs> and his family hates him, obviously. Oh, my God. They're so ready to just destroy this son's life. Yeah, because this guy does get put through some shit. And the family is just like, listen, he's a selfish prick. We, yeah, mom's like, he doesn't love me enough. <laughs> we need to straighten him out. We does. <laughs> And so they let Darren Brown come in and put all of these adorably large 2010s recording cameras all around the house where Steven doesn't spot any of them, which is convenient. Also kind of creepy. That's a lot yeah. of access for a TV show. Way too much. They're putting in his bedroom. They sure did. Yeah. You know, they got footage of him jerking it. You know, you just know. Yeah. You know, he's rubbing one out. Yeah. <laughs> Oh. But also, he's like, he's a 22-year-old guy. Like, in my mind, that's a child. That is a child. Oh, yeah. That's a kid. That's They show him, kid. like, burping in his mom's face, and, like, they're like, he changes the channel when we're watching, and it's like, okay, <laughs> he's a fucking 22-year-old kid that you're still allowing to live at home. Maybe you wanted to, like, intervene with this shit a little bit earlier in his life. And it's like, what do you mean he changed the channel? Don't you only have the one in England? Isn't it just BBC? <laughs> Change from BBC no, they have up to, to four now. Oh, yeah. You change it to the Quattro, the BBC <laughs> four. <laughs> so Stephen's family is way in on all of this. They're like, yeah, fucking experiment on our kid. We don't care. He's a piece of shit. They wire up the house with all these hidden cameras and they interview his family and everyone just seems to agree he's a lazy piece of shit. They let Darren Brown go through all his possessions while he's out of the house and with that, it's time to convince this silly fuck that the apocalypse has happened. Did you ever watch Scare Tactics? Uh, I don't think so. No, I haven't. That was one of the funniest and most irresponsible reality prank shows on television. I think it was on the Sci-Fi Network. It was hosted by Shannon Doherty, of all Whoa. fucking people. And it was very similar to this where they would put people in these extreme situations 
and convince them they were real. But Mm -hmm. they're like family and friends and loved ones would be in on it. It was like paranormal punked, I guess, would be the best way to describe it. And there's this one episode where this girl is like pranking her boyfriend. And the way the prank unfolds is they pick up a hitchhiker and another friend is driving. The girlfriend and her boyfriend who's being tricked are in the back seat and they pick up this hitchhiker and the prank is that at some point this hitchhiker is just going to start stabbing their friend and i don't know what these motherfuckers thought was going to happen to the contrary but when this person starts stabbing their friend the guy in the back seat just starts wailing on his face with non-stop punches as you do A reasonable (laughs) reaction. When your friend is being stabbed. And meanwhile, his girlfriend's going, what are you doing? Stop. Why are you hitting him? And it's like, motherfucker, why would you put any person in this situation? Of course, he's going to punch the shit out of that guy. Like, good for him. Yeah, that's the thing. Okay, something like that, I believe, is real because of that reaction. When there's no, I don't know, the thing that makes me feel like this is like a hired actor stuff is just like his reactions. I don't know if this is just because he's like British and it's like the stiff upper lip culture, but I'm just like, dude, like have more emotion. I kept yelling that at Steven. Yeah, there are a few moments where the look on his face seems kind of genuine and like he's really trying to take in what's happening but also everything he does is like apocalypse movie perfect yes like at no point does he ever consider abandoning anyone it carries on the way an apocalypse movie would and i don't know how much we didn't see like i don't know what kind of outtakes there were but this really just went off so perfectly yeah it felt like watching a zombie movie yeah This document, for some reason, for a while, it's broken into sections like stage one, stage two. And then (laughs) they just like abandon that about halfway through. Stage one is information control. This, I thought, was the absolute most interesting and fascinating part. And I don't know. I guess I need a computer expert to tell me if it's really possible. But Darren Brown has Steven's brother steal his phone Mm -hmm. and give it to Darren. Darren gives it to this hacker who does some sort of man-in-the-middle attack, which the super basic me not knowing lots about computer stuff means normally, say, if you go to CNN and try to pull up an article, that request for that article goes directly to the CNN website, and then they respond. Mm -hmm. A man-in-the-middle attack, you're sending that request to CNN without realizing someone's intercepting it, and they're going to show you what they want you to see, but it's going to look like It's coming from CNN. Mm. That's what they did to Steven. They take control of his phone in a way that they can send him fake news articles that look like they're coming from legitimate sites. And at that point, are you really even tricking anyone? Like, is it really that much of an experiment? It reminds me of like Jimmy Kimmel, who I hate with the intensity of a million burning (laughs) suns used to do this thing where he would do these like fake videos and they would go viral. And then a couple days later, he'd reveal that like, ha just we fooled you. It was fake. Can't believe that video went viral, even though we faked it. Meanwhile, these videos would be played on like 
the ABC morning news shows the day after. And it's like, wow. of course they went viral. You were promoting them on like Good Morning America. And then he would get in front of the camera and be like, ha, 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 tricked you. It's like, no one would have saw that if you didn't put it on Good Morning America. You didn't trick anyone. Anyone would fall for that if you are able to promote it to that degree. What were the videos about? There was one where like someone lit a candle and like fell into it and part of their clothes caught on fire. It was just like stupid. And then they would end up on Good Morning America. And then Jimmy Kimmel would be like, oh, got you. It's like that Good Morning America appearance is why that video got all those appearances. You absolute idiot. Oh, my God. And with this, like you can trick almost anyone into thinking an apocalyptic event is about to happen if you're constantly feeding them what looks like news from legitimate sources that's saying, yes, this is happening. Like, do it without that. Then I'll be impressed. Then it's a challenge. Otherwise, you jailbroke this guy's phone. Now you've got like your spyware on it. (sighs) That, yeah, he really made it easy to just kind of like infiltrate and start to plant the seeds for this guy. And he gets this guy's favorite radio DJs (laughs) in on it. This is back when radio was still a big part of people's lives. This was before fake news and Trump. Yeah. If this happened now, Darren Brown would be having us record a podcast about how a meteorite shower was about to kill us. But yeah. And like, I'm assuming he was listening at the normal time when those radio DJs do their show. So did they send him just a fake show and then they did their regular show? Or did they just do a fake ass show for their entire audience? (laughs) For everybody. (laughs) For Darren Brown's benefit. Yeah, they put this guy into like a dark Truman show, darker (laughs) Truman show scenario. It's a very dark Truman show scenario. Holy shit. And they also set up a TV interview with a credible source, but they arranged for it to only show on Steven's television. Yeah. They pop in like a little VHS tape. He has no idea. (laughs) And this guy talks about how a meteorite shower is coming and it might bring all these viruses to Earth. They start sending him fake tweets. And at this point, like, this is a thing you could do on almost the entire population. Yeah, yeah. Maybe that's what it's trying to suggest of like, (sighs) hey, (laughs) that I do believe. That I do definitely believe. But. I mean, it doesn't make it right. doesn't make it right to, to totally flip someone's whole life upside down if it's all true and he really had no idea and believed that all this was going on. Yeah. I hope this was fake. I hope all of Darren Brown's stuff is fake and not just like a human rights violation, which is yeah, what it seems like. Yeah, because the whole thesis of it is like, this guy needs to like grow up. It's like, Yeah. You could say that to any 22-year-old. They don't need to go through the most traumatic experience of their life and then be told that it was all fake. It's like, for what? I was watching this with my roommate, and we both periodically would be like, this is all because he changes the channel when his family's watching TV? <laughs> yeah, that is an extreme reaction. We yeah, was I'm watching sure the Great deeper. British Baking Show, we was. <laughs> it's the season Nadia one. <laughs> That's a good one. It's a very good one. Yeah. Nadia was great. There's a reason she had two shows of her own. Oh, yes. I still fuck with her chorizo egg wrap. Chorizo. It's a chorizo, it is. So, 
Stage four, <laughs> making it real. I haven't even mentioned the last two stages. We're called planting seeds and credible threats. Because here's the thing. All these stages are the same thing. It's just them giving Stephen fake information. In making it real, he gets dropped off at a restaurant where he's going to eat, and there's a radio broadcast playing about how a meteorite shower is coming, and it's going to cause a bunch of disturbances with electronic equipment and cars and things. Speaking of that, they also rig up his car so it won't start. Then they have a mechanic come out and go, it's the meteor showers it is. <laughs> Just walking by like yeah. a briefcase in hand. He fucking lands holding an umbrella. <laughs> descends from the sky like Mary Poppins. Oh, my God. And yeah, this mechanic is just straight up like, yeah, it's the meteor shower. It's been happening a lot. And so, of course, this guy believes that the apocalypse is coming. Everything in his life is saying that, which makes this not really that much of a trick. Yeah. He's also kind of like, I feel like he had a very similar reaction to like, truthfully myself and like a lot of people I knew leading up to COVID of just like, Oh, whatever. It's not going to be a big deal. They always say these things are going to be a big deal, and it's not. Like, he was even laughing, like, when they were showing him, like, the fake news program. I don't know what he was laughing at particularly, but he was really just really stone-faced and not really, like, taking it seriously. Right. But then it's it's time for the killer's show. It's crunch time. August 31st, 2012, the day the world ends. It's a few days before Stephen's birthday. And so his brother tells him he got tickets for them to see the Killers, who are Stephen's favorite band, mm -hmm. to each their own. They are doing a secret show at an undisclosed location in the middle of nowhere. And so that's how they get Stephen out in the middle of nowhere. His brother says, hey, you want to go see the Killers? Fuck you. I'd never take you to see the Killers. <laughs> but I will take you to the middle of a field so Darren Brown can throw meteorites at our bus. Yeah, did I hear correctly that they actually took him to, like, a former nuclear testing site? I think so, yeah. They put him at risk for getting cancer, all for, sure. like, a lesson? I yeah, don't know. of course. Strange. I mean, he's got to learn to value life somehow. Yeah, he's really got to learn to respect the Great British Bake Off. <laughs> and so they're taking a chartered bus to this location, and everyone on the bus is in on it. And on the way to the show, the bus breaks down in a way that seems like it might be related to that meteor shower. But then a news announcement comes on saying that a meteorite collision with Earth is imminent. And then a bunch of fake meteorites just start falling from the sky and crashing into the ground around them. And I don't know how... You'd have to think that was fake while it was happening. Well, everyone on the bus was so like, keep calm and carry on about it. People weren't screaming. People were like, look outside. I don't know. It was. Yeah. People are just like looking at it. And we're talking a meteorite impacting the earth. And there's just no turbulence inside that bus. Like it's not jostling the bus. That's a all. great point. And Steven is just like, fuck. His eyebrows look a little concerned. Yeah. And like, I think that does a little bit speak to the Steven guy maybe being in on it. Mm -hmm. Because I don't know. Here's the other thing it could be. Darren Brown doesn't want to and probably can't just come out and say it 
But he's clearly looking for people who are a little stupid. Yeah. Because, like, if I was in that situation, knowing I had tried out for a Darren Brown show recently, I'd be like, why is no one else freaking out? Not a single person on that bus is losing their absolute shit. And there would be at least one on any apocalypse bus. Yeah, British or not, come on. Yeah, there's going to be one person who is just fucking out of their mind over what's happening. And these people are just like watching it happen. They're like, oh dear, oh dear, look outside. It's so, so, so rough. Things has gotten a little explodey, they is. <laughs> and in the midst of all this is when Darren Brown comes up and just like taps Stephen on the shoulder and puts him under hypnosis again. And walks him to a comically fake looking hospital room. Oh, my God. Yes. Okay. when he's in that thing, I was like, this is like the greatest like escape room slash haunt of all time. Yeah. Well, it's not just that. It's also the opening scene of The Walking Dead. Yes. Which for such a terrible show has one of the most amazing (laughs) pilots of all time. That opening scene in the pilot for The Walking Dead where the guy wakes up in the hospital bed and just like slowly realizes the apocalypse has happened and he's just been left there. Fucking chef's kiss. But to do it to a real person, that's harsh. Yeah. And that like throughout all of this, Darren Brown keeps saying, well, psycho we've just have uh, inspected Steven and they know he's caught out for this. And it's like, again, how? How do you know just from psychological testing how a person will react during the apocalypse? That's insane. Yeah. It's just like, when does the adrenaline rush kick in? How does he not beat any of the zombies with a stick? Yeah. He doesn't kill a single zombie. No, doesn't even try. He's very. that That was my thought throughout a lot of this is like. What if you don't know Steven the way you think you do? And yeah, what if at some point Steven had been like, you know, there's only like 30 of them and they're all against that fence. We could just go kill them. Like we could yeah. just kill. I've seen the, the shows. We just do a headshot. So we just need to like stab a couple in the eye to send a message. Or oh, just that would have been good. Something television. at him. Yeah. That would have been such good television. It would have. <laughs> oh. And so they put him under hypnosis and. They put him in this hospital room and he wakes up and there's a military spokesperson on the TV saying it's been 13 days since the meteor strike and that a virus has just been wiping out humanity at an alarming rate since then. Which, again, I had another what if Steven goes off the rails question. What if he was just like, fuck it, I'm going to kill myself. Yeah. Like, what if they didn't get to him in time to stop him? They would have intervened. They for sure would have intervened. They would have intervened. It's just a matter of would they have got there? Oh, I mean, he was under camera watch at all times. Yeah. Yeah. So someone probably would have seen him start to like slip into a dark mental state and then be like, okay, it's all fake. But he doesn't immediately kill himself. Instead, (laughs) he encounters a young girl who is, she's acting scared. She's wanting to know if he's sick. She tells him his blue wristband means he's not infected. That's an important detail because Mm -hmm. there's a scene near the end that involves those wristbands. So then it turns into this escape room type of thing where he and this girl are trying to get out of this hospital 
it looks a lot like me going to Buffalo Wild Wings for the first time after COVID. Just very tentative, very, am I allowed in this space? What's going to happen if I go in this room? And they end up getting locked in a part of the hospital where the people who took the red tablets were kept. Those are the people who were infected. Those are the six. And they find a zombie. And they manage to, like, escape and get outside. And sure enough, it looks like the apocalypse out there, too. And... We find out from Darren Brown that the whole point of this is that Leona, the little girl Stephen meets in the hospital, is supposed to instill him with a sense of courage and responsibility that he is lacking right now. And I'm like, man, what if he like proposes to her or something? <laughs> or ditches her. Yeah. Like you don't know what this is going to bring out of Stephen. Stephen could have murdered her. Yeah. He trusted her pretty immediately. Yeah. Well, because she's also like, oh, I'm 14. I can't find my mom. You know, it, it does appeal to his sense of like, oh, this is just like a little feller that I need to take under my wing. And so they're outside. They see an ambulance driving by. The ambulance driver is named Ian. He takes them to a compound where Stephen is told he'll be safe for a bit. There's a wall there where people who pass through left messages for their family. They call it the Wonder Wall, they does. <laughs> Today is going to be the day they was going to throw it back to you, Stephen. He loves those little puns. Ugh, Darren. I, I do like the song. It's a great song. Don't get us wrong. So, of course, Stephen finds a message from his family on the Wonder Wall. And they're in, I think they're in Scotland is where he needs to get to to find them. Something like that. Yeah, Scotland or Wales. I can't remember what they're it doing was. A, they're doing a show at Fringe Fest. <laughs> he's got to get there to see that. He's got to go to Edinburgh. And they purposely leave him inside the compound alone to think about what's happening. And what happens next is apparently meant to find out if Stephen has a heart. We know he's got the courage because he saved little Leona. But now does he have a heart? They're hunkered down at this military base, and Stephen decides he has to take the yellow route to find his family. When Ian asks how he plans to get there, Stephen says they could take the van, and Ian just laughs. Another, what if Stephen went off the rails question? What if he just murdered Ian for that van right there? Yeah. On the spot? He could have fucking punched him and then ran with the girl or ran by himself. Yeah. You're not going to let me and me new wife, Leona, die. <laughs> We've got to repopulate. <laughs> oh, the way they were holding hands when they were running. Steven's like, we're going to bring the earth back when this is all done. Yeah. Oh, my God. Ah. He's like, there ain't no laws anymore, baby. <laughs> Who's your queen now? <laughs> so, uh. but instead, Steven is informed that there's a shortwave radio he can use to broadcast a signal to try to connect with his family, but he might encounter some zombies when he does. So now he's just tiptoeing through a field of zombies with Ian, trying to get to this shortwave radio. And they finally get inside this building, and they find another survivor, Danny. Oh, fucking Danny. And it's left up to Steven whether this guy gets to go with him or gets to go to hell and get eaten <laughs> by a zombie. And I guess this is where we find out if Steven has a heart. I feel like him... Agreeing to help the little girl was good enough. Yeah. Then they're like, this guy who might be infected, what is Steven going to do? Ian sees a scratch on Danny's uh -huh. arm and accuses him of being infected. And he's all bummed because his ambulance is wrecked. And so he starts shutting down 
And this, according to Darren Brown, is where we find out if Steven can be a leader. And, I mean, he can, I guess. But he gets on the radio and he starts trying to contact the military. And eventually Darren Brown gets on the radio and pretends to be the military (laughs) on the other end. And he confirms that Steven's family is safe and says a helicopter will be dispatched to rescue them. While they're waiting for the helicopter, Ian's wife shows up at the military base. And Ian starts hooting and hollering. And Steven wants him to shut the fuck up. (laughs) And then they realize, uh uh-oh, she's wearing a red wristband. And now Steven has to stop Ian from going near her. He fails. Ian walks away to his death. I also thought this was another moment where I'm like, what if he kills that guy's wife? That could have been. But also, like, I don't know. I feel like I would have let him go. I'm like, oh, you want to go fucking die? What do I give a shit? Go be with your wife. Yeah, he does make the right choice and lets Ian walk away. Yeah, that was a dumb test. I'm like, who cares if this guy wants to die? They've known each other for two days. And then Ian starts shouting a bunch of movie shit at Steven <laughs> and eventually starts going, you can do it. You can do it. And it okay. is the funniest thing. Have you? Okay. This is so stupid, but people out there, I think might appreciate this. Have you seen Muppet Treasure Island? I have not. Okay. So for those Muppet Treasure Island heads like me out there, this guy, Ian sounds like, Billy Bones from Muppet Treasure Island, <laughs> the pirate that dies in the very beginning when he gets the black spot. You can do it! Yeah, he's just like a drunk pirate from Scotland. <laughs> yeah, it is almost unintelligible. I am pretty sure they put subtitles on the screen. They did. When he's they yelling, did. yeah, you can do it! <laughs> I needed captions for him, but they did not have any, so I just had to guess sometimes. When he was talking to them in the ambulance, he was very like, oh, blah, 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 blah. And I was like, wow, they're really getting some information here that I do not understand. So while they're waiting for the helicopter, Stephen confides in Danny that he can't wait to get back to his family and start over. And I'm like, oh, this doesn't seem staged at all. Right. Oh, he said just the right thing. Yeah, he's saying the exact thing that you wanted to come from this whole experiment. And not cursing a bit? That's the other thing. I don't think a single person says the word fuck at all during any of this, which is unthinkable. Right. That would be the other thing where if I was Steven, I'd be like, how come no one's cussing? Like, why isn't anyone saying shit, fuck, damn, ouch? The C word. They love saying the C word. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I mean, in England, it's different. Like, it's- It is, it is. Barely the C word. That's just how they say fuck. Yes. No one said that, though. You're allowed to on British television. Yeah, especially when the apocalypse is happening. Yeah. They don't know cameras are there. They don't know that there's, like, regulations on the airways. And so while he's having this heart-to-heart with Danny, an alarm goes off. I don't know what it is meant to indicate because all of the sick people are still outside the perimeter. An alarm just starts going off. But also the helicopter that's supposed to come save them is landing. But, uh uh-oh, it lands outside the compound which why why would it do that why so stupid why would that be a thing that would happen you would just land inside the compound but it's fine it's fine so now everyone has to run through a field of zombies to get to the helicopter danny makes it after giving steven this whole speech about how he's not a hero and fucking he's just gonna run that was so funny he's like i'm i'm bad i know i'm bad i'm never gonna change I'm terrible. (laughs) I'm selfish. (laughs) Oh, man. And so Steven, he springs into action. And 
basically, Stephen and Leona are trapped in the military base. Stephen records a video diary message for his family. Then he sits down and proposes to Leona. That doesn't actually happen. I'm sorry. (laughs) But Leona does remind him that he sacrificed his family for her. Because you at least want him to take some little nugget of trauma away from this. Like you want him to go back to his regular life knowing, fuck, I sacrificed my family for that girl I didn't know. Hey, guys, I'm back. Oh, yeah. And again, how come he's not ripping like legs off of chairs to go deal with the zombies? Yeah, that's the thing. There's not that many of them. No. And they're all against a fence. That's a thing you see in The Walking Dead. There's a scene in one of the early episodes, because, again, season one is fine. But there's a scene where they're just like walking along a fence, fucking stabbing zombies in the face because zombies are stupid and they'll stand there and let you do it. And yeah, at no point does anyone ever say, well, how do we kill these things? Maybe we can kill our way out of here. It would have been funny if they did. And then in that moment, there was like some equipment malfunction where the fucking (laughs) earpieces go out. And they're like, Steven, no! And he's like, why are you stopping me? I don't understand. But that never But you guys want a leader. (laughs) Exactly. And so finally, Steven and Leona are just like safe. Like all the zombies are gone. All of a sudden. And they're like, all right, well, we have to walk to Wales now. (laughs) And so they go out and as they're leaving the compound, there's a table with a phone sitting on it. And it starts ringing And Steven goes over and picks it up and reluctantly answers, at which point he just falls to the ground. Yeah. And I assumed it was just Darren Brown being like, Steven, this has all been fake, mate. But no, he somehow hypnotized him over the phone. That was what really made me be like, come on, (laughs) through the phone. No. Through the phone? How dare you? So yeah, he's hypnotized him again. And then they take him back and put him in his bed at home. And he just wakes up with a new perspective on his family and a lifetime of fucking PTSD to deal with. Yes. Yeah. He's like crying with his family and they're like, what's wrong? Oh, you've had a bad dream. Well, you should go in the other room. And then there's Darren (laughs) Brown being like, you've been punked. And then Steven wakes up in his bed again. Like, fuck, what? (laughs) Oh, no. (laughs) So then they take him back. They put him in his bed. I love the revelation at the end that. The actress who played Leona is actually older than Steven. She was 22 and he was 21. Yeah. I thought that was, yeah. that was one year older. Fun. He was an old looking 22, I gotta say. He was looking like he was in his 30s. Yeah, he seems like he's seen some shit. That's for sure. When he probably really has not. And the last thing about this, that's kind of how the episode ends. When this aired in the UK, it was two separate episodes. Yeah. We'll link to the full version so you can watch it without commercials all the way through. Saves you about half an hour. In between episode one and episode two airing, all of these rumblings started coming out that Steven is actually an actor. And one of the reasons people thought that is because they found a profile for Steven on a website called Casting Call Pro, which is... Exactly what it sounds like, a website for people trying to get acting work. But Steven's argument was, well, after high school, I considered getting into acting to do something with my free time, but 
I never really had any acting roles, so I never pursued it. And that is right up there with everything else you see in these episodes. You just kind of have to take it on face value that he's not lying. Well, I mean, he's not a professional actor. No. He's dabbled. Yeah. But at the same time, it's such a bad look for Darren Brown. And also, this is a true crime podcast sometimes. And true crime shows will always tell you when crime is afoot, there is no such thing as a coincidence. I think that is a bullshit thing to say that excuses a lot of lazy, shitty police work. But in this case, I find it high. Actually, no, I don't. I don't find it that weird that a person who responded to a Darren Brown casting call has a castingcall.com page. Now that I think about it, I bet everyone who showed up for that probably has some kind of castingcall.com profile. Yeah, they're all day players. I mean, the industry there is not as huge as it is here, but like they make their own content in England. They make a lot of it. Um, The things though, because I did some research and like, okay, was this real? Apparently, okay, so this is where what happened to Steven after the show. So he went on to work with special needs kids at a special school. He did that for a while. And then he was doing like a whole hog catering business with his dad. And he recently went solo in the business, I think late last year. So he's not in any sort of acting now. I don't know what kind of NDA he signed with the show and not being able to talk about it, but like his Twitter, he tweets every once in a while. He, puts that he was part of, you know, the BAFTA awarded episode of Darren Brown's Apocalypse. He's not shy about sharing that that was indeed him. But I guess like I found this one site that it was like some like people profile thing that linked to his Twitter, but then all the other details about him were wrong and then they kept changing. And then someone pointed out that the scene where they first get on the ambulance when Ian finds them, Uh uh, you can see two water bottles on the floor in one shot. And then in another shot, the two water bottles are gone. And it's not like the ambulance was in motion. It was parked at that time. Ah, so another continuity take. error. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, that's that's weird. And this is such an old one. I could see maybe, I don't know, maybe he did hire an actor for this one and like, for the ones going forward, he was like, oh, I can't do that anymore. I don't know. I don't know. Better editors. I don't know. There was also a thing where people thought he was a guy from a noodle commercial that had aired in the UK, but Darren Brown got the actual noodle commercial actor and the Stephen guy together in the same room. It was like, see, is it the same person? (laughs) But yeah, I don't know. It's just such a big liability to do this with someone unknowingly yeah, and and assume that they're going to do everything right, that no one's going to get hurt on accident because this person doesn't realize. I don't know. That's where I sit with it. I believe that Darren Brown is in fact a a metalist is, is a (laughs) hypnotist, but the lengths that they went to make this seem real. I don't know. This guy is worth 7.5 million Darren Brown. Like he's got money for production. That's too much money for Darren Brown to have way too much. Yeah. I want Darren Brown to not be doing as well as he is, but that's fine. And (laughs) that's our episode. I feel like now we're going to have to do some other Darren Brown shit on this, but we'll see. We should just to hate watch. He's a good one to hate watch. Yeah. I was telling you 
when we were texting about it, he's got a Netflix show where he like convinces this right wing bigot to like think he's about to take a bullet for a guy trying to cross the border illegally, which is very interesting. Yes. Because there's a scene in that where Darren Brown just makes this guy sit down across from a Muslim person and like stare at him silently for five minutes. And the guy starts sobbing, just fucking uncontrollably sobbing. And it's like, I'm fine with if you fuck with that guy. That's all right. Yeah, that is kind of the thing is like. Yeah, you can torture that motherfucker. So real or not. Yeah, exactly. What's the same thing? I talk about ghost adventures all the time is the same thing. Like you just have to trust that they're not lying to you about this ghost footage that they're picking up. You just have to have faith that they really got a voice saying, I hate Zach (laughs) on audio while they were exploring this haunted building. And it's like, how are you going to prove otherwise? It's like religion. Darren Brown is our new religion. Yes, we go to the Church of Brown. I think that is the obvious stopping point for this episode. Cindy, thank you so much for coming back. I thought about staying, but... With that cruise ship the, life? The, yeah, yeah. You know, there's, there, is a cruise, there is a cruise ship apartment. Did you know that? Yes. yes. I secretly would love it. I would love it. Yeah? It's like a couple hundred thousand dollars a year. But the buy-in, $8 million. That, oh, wow. That, among other things, is what would keep me from doing it. Also, the couple hundred thousand dollars a year it costs to rent one. That would also That's do so it. That's fucking crazy. Yeah. But I don't know. I'll go on a cruise someday. Yeah. Cindy, thank you so much. Do you have anything to plug before we get out of here? Just follow me to keep up with me on all my stuff at Cindy Arvina Jr. That's junior, like the letters J-R. Thank you. You can follow me at Adam Todd Brown. That's Todd with one D on Instagram and Twitter. And also my Substack, adamtoddbrown.substack.com. Go read that and give me money for writing words. I would appreciate it. And I think that's it. Let's get the fuck out of here. Cindy, say goodbye. Bye-bye. Goodbye, everybody. We love you.